You're listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer with Gina Militia, one of Australia's leading portrait celebrity and lifestyle photographers. With over 25 years' experience in the industry, Gina is a pro photographer who regularly travels the world shooting for some of the country's top magazines and advertisers. She is author of four best-selling books on photography, runs workshops and mentors aspiring photographers all around the world. In conversation with journalist, interviewer and budding amateur photographer Valerie Koo, Gina reveals what it takes to build a successful photography business, provides a sneak peek into life behind the lens and talks about her tips and techniques to get the perfect shot. Hello everyone and welcome to episode 283 of So You Want to Be a Photographer. My name's Valerie Koo and I'm here with Gina Militia. How are you, Gina? I'm great, Valerie. How are you going fresh off your success launching your giant uh, rooster? And uh, exhibitions and all sorts of stuff going on. You wanna, do you want to? Uh, how did it all go? It looks so oh, exciting yeah. on Instagram and Facebook, seeing all your posts and everything. It went really well. Um, so for new listeners, I'm the curator of the City of Sydney's Sydney Lunar Festival. Um, we don't have the numbers for this year, but last year over um, almost 1.5 million people uh, came to it and it's a whole range of different events and one of those events is an open-air art installation which is um, 12 sculptures, uh, light sculptures, um, on the um, four shores of Sydney Harbour, right on Circular Quay. And um, one of those sculptures was mine. It was the rooster because they were the 12, the 12 animals of the lunar zodiac. And, yeah, it was really fun. The whole thing was um, a big learning curve. It was really hectic. I was doing not only the rooster, but I was um, helping to open the dragon boat races and taking um, VIPs on the tours, tours of the lanterns and lots of official functions, big concerts in where we've closed down streets and had lots of performers. There was everything. So I'm a bit exhausted. And after this recording, I will be having a glass of wine or two (laughs) or three. (laughs) Well, congratulations, Val. It's amazing. And, you know, just to think it's only uh, a few years ago you decided to uh, make a career change and get into art. And then suddenly now you're out there having art exhibitions and you know, being commissioned to create these giant sculptures. I think it's amazing. Dreams do come true, don't they? It's fantastic. (laughs) Well done. Thank you. And the big the big lesson out of that really is to follow your creativity and just follow if you have a creative itch, then um, you know, make sure you scratch it, whether that's in photography or art or writing or whatever it is. If you've got something that you're vaguely interested in, if I really believe in satisfying your creative curiosity. So I think that's really important. <clears throat> and there's no but, greater feeling than doing a job that you love and, uh, and you know, having doing something creative. And I can imagine there would be no greater feeling than being standing there at seeing that finished sculpture in front of the uh, Sydney Opera House and the bridge, it, 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 you know, incredible. And, and that's what comes from scratching that creative itch. Yes, and also a big thanks to all of our podcast listeners, to those of you who um, came to the event and who uploaded photos and tagged me in the photos. Thank you. It was really great to see other people 
you experience the rooster. Amazing, amazing. Well done. Right, so what have you been up to, Gina? All right, I want to uh, I want to um, jump straight in, Val. I've got a pro tip okay. for All everyone. Right, so uh, this is really important. I have just uh, done this. Uh, upgrade your memory cards every two years. Now, that seems a bit extreme when you look at your case and you think, well, they're still fine, but I think you need to be very careful. So if you go to all the expense of spending thousands uh, on a camera and lenses, and then you're out there taking images that, let's face it, if you're getting uh, an image that is a once in a lifetime sunset or a, a, you know, it's a client shoot and it's a once in a lifetime thing and you're relying on that memory card to hold on to those valuable pics, then, you know, using old memory cards that may corrupt is just craziness. Mm. So the price yeah. of memory cards has dropped. The speed of memory cards has increased. So uh, you can now get something for, uh, you know, a 32 gig card for maybe $30 or $50, which is compared to what they used to cost, a very small investment in peace of mind. So what you want to be careful of is there are a lot of copycat companies that are manufacturing what look like name brand cards, but they're not. So if it looks too cheap and it's not quite right, do your research and make sure you check. And I would, uh, for memory cards, go with a reputable website and make sure so it's a trusted site and not Mm. a third-party option. I personally use SanDisk. They work for me. This is not a sponsored ad. I just like to talk Mm -hmm. about stuff that I use and that that works for me. Uh, And the other advice, I know there's 256 gig cards out there. And if you're a videographer, then by all means, you need the bigger cards if you're doing lots of filming. But if you're a photographer and you're predominantly shooting stills, then I recommend that rather than getting one card and doing everything on that one card, that you still buy the smallest card you can possibly buy. And I think the smallest you can get at the moment is maybe 16 gig or 32 gig, and then splitting the job over many cards just in case. It's like, you know, when the royal family fly, they always split the royal family. So half go on one flight, the other go on the other flight. Same with how you treat your jobs. Always make sure that you spread the load just in case. So that's my little pro tip of the week, Val. That is a great tip. Definitely, um, yeah, upgrade your memory cards. And also you've been busy with the gold community, haven't you? Yes, I've been chatting to a lot of the gold community in the last uh, couple of weeks and uh, we've been working on uh, different tutorials like I've uh, done one for the beginners on uh, swapping out backgrounds. We've also done tutorials on uh, working with gels and uh, how to up your business game. And uh, we've got the AMA coming up this week. Uh, And so welcome to all the new gold members as well. So hello. And uh, like heaps happening in the the gold community. Lots of aha moments happening, Val. It's like because I've been getting the goldies to do the drills because it's very important and we'll be talking about this in today's episode like the worst photography habits and how to fix them but I've been getting them all to work on the drills so these so that you get consistency in the shots and it's just Mm. like the results have been 
amazing and uh, the aha moments it's been so exciting so yeah that's what's been going on with the goldies and if you want to find out a little bit more about the gold community have a listen to this this podcast is brought to you by the gold community if you want to take your photography to the next level, I'd like to invite you to join my gold community. I love mentoring members and many achieve so much more than they think is possible. Here's what Frank Romano had to say. Your gold community is top of the class. It's world-class learning and you're so generous and you're brilliant at the way that you explain things. So if you want to be a great golfer, you've got to go and, you've got to go and pay for golf lessons. If you want to be a great musician, you've got to go and pay for music lessons. If you want to be a great photographer, well, there's a price to pay and, uh, and it's not a lot compared to what you're going to get back. I've already, <laughs> I've already rec- recouped the money that I've invested in learning. I've got that back at least 10 times over. Oh, that's fantastic to hear. Yeah, yeah. That's just great. On, just on the work that I've done. I mean, you know, people are engaging me and, and paying me thousands of dollars to, to you know, yeah. and, and shoot stuff. That never would have happened if I didn't invest my money in things such as the gold membership. If you'd like to find out more about the gold community, just go to genomilitia.com and click on Join the Community. All right, so let's get on to this week's topic, which is the worst photography habits and how to fix them. So where do we start on this one, Gina? Yeah, so um, I'm basing these on mistakes that I've made and habit, bad habits that I've developed in the past and the things that I've done to fix them because it's like we all get into But What's your worst habit, Val? Habit in what? <laughs> in anything. In anything? That's too broad. Do you have have writing bad habits or do you have uh, Uh, artist bad habits? Like do you not clean your brushes? Oh, no, I do uh, try and clean my brushes. Okay, so uh, my writing bad habit is I use the word that too much. So I will go through and cross out the word that. My Mm -hmm. um, artist bad habit is hmm, I should probably – not have scotch when I'm doing my... I know, I disagree. (laughs) I disagree, Val. I think the scotch helps. Okay, I'll keep on Mm. doing it then. (laughs) But there's a a level that if you get past a certain amount, then it's useless, but you've just got to get in the the zone, in the buzz zone, and then it's creative. All right, I, I take your word for it. So, yeah, I I have uh, several that I'm going to share that I've managed to well, – well, it's an, a work in progress, but, you know, uh, that's what I want to talk about this week. So the first one, Val, the first bad photography habit yeah. is focusing on gear over technique. Oh, yeah. So um, if you – if, if you – what do you think the most popular question about photography that people Google is? Which camera should I get? Yeah, it mm. is. It's the most popular question. What's the best camera, light, lens? It's all about gear that will, you know, that makes me take better photos. Mm-hmm. And it's like, well, when we think about it, the camera is isn't taking the photos it's the person behind the camera so the camera doesn't make a you know really help you a lot and people get sort of sold that idea by the camera companies that want you to buy the brand new camera every two years when it comes out because you need more megapixels you need faster um, 
you know, focusing and all these things. And yes, uh, the, the technical side does help. And if you're doing, uh, if you're at the uh, higher end of the photography industry and you're doing lots of weddings every year or volume work as a commercial photographer, then you want to make sure that your gear is not breaking down and you want to make sure that you're nailing the focus and there's, you know, lots more keepers and all of that. Yes, it's important. But as you're learning, uh, going out and buying the Ferrari or the Lamborghini <laughs> of cameras isn't going to help you all that much. So, okay. and and I was certainly guilty of that early on when I started. It was like I needed to have, you know, well, I need the better lens or I need the better camera because that's going to make my photography better. But it's like focusing on technique rather than getting bogged down in the gear is going to do a lot more for you. So what what and what I suggest is that, you know, as you're starting out, get if you can, or if you have one, there's a lot of people that buy the entry-level camera and then they'll upgrade. Mm-hmm. So keep the entry-level camera and that's going to be your practice just because camera. And so what I suggest you do, if you're starting out or you're a bit further down the track, or even if you're a working professional, go back to that camera without any bells and whistles, all right, where it's okay. hard to focus, where you don't have the luxury of fast glass and you've got a fixed lens. So have a fixed lens like a 35 or thereabouts is good and um, force yourself to shoot with that camera and even take it to the next level and tape up the LCD screen. Oh, yeah. So that you Mm -hmm. can't see the shots. So force yourself to learn the technique. And I promise you this is such a great hack because what it does is it forces you to learn to feel the light. Mm -hmm. And if you've ever spent time with a veteran photographer, someone who's been around for 20, 30, 40 years, you can be outside with them and you'll, and, uh, you you can ask them well what sh- what should I what settings should I have and they'll rattle off the settings because they know them off by heart they'll go oh yeah outside eh, do you want do you want it sharp all the way through f16 1 200th of a second iso 100 that should get you a good shot mm. you go inside all right open up to t- uh 2.8 uh 130th of a second iso 400 should be right for this scenario and then they'll go hang on the sun's just gone behind a cloud open up a stop so learning that sort of skill of understanding light intuitively and learning how to read a shot without having to rely on the gear is a great way to hone your skills and not relying on the the gear to get the shot does that make sense Val? yeah yeah definitely Mm. So I think that's an important one. Don't don't get carried away. It's the better camera is not going to make you a better photographer, but learning the skills and doing those drills regularly will. Yeah. All right. So next on my list, Val, is uh, perfectionism. And we all get bogged up in this. Do you do this with your painting? You've just got to make that that, that little leaf perfect <laughs> in the end and you keep working on it and working on it and that's all you see. Mm. And then whenever you look at that painting, all you can see is the leaf that mm. you didn't quite get and it annoys you. Yeah. And so we all get 
we all get um, caught up in that uh, when we're lighting. Uh, I did this uh, where I would light and just keep adding lights. And it's like, I oh, know, but that under that under the chin isn't right. So I just need to bring in a little bit of fill and, oh, let's bring a hair light. And then, oh, let me balance the lights outside. And, and what happens is you get so caught up in the perfectionism of the shot that it ends up that you keep polishing and you keep polishing and you keep polishing and you end up with something that ends up looking clinical and like a good example of that which is nothing to do with uh, photography is when you have you ever listened to say uh, a studio album so an artist goes in and they record in the studio and they'll do take after take after take after take until the vocals are perfect mm-hmm. and the ho- and then they'll they'll auto tune and they'll work it and work it and work it and then you get something that's pristine it's perfect right mm-hmm. the commercial version and then you go and compare that to when the the performer is doing that live mm-hmm. and you can hear the emotion in their voice there might be that the the guitar in the background there's a bit of reverb or something like that then mm-hmm. it just it sounds completely different so what you see is there's a lot of musicians today that what they do with their with their recording is they'll uh, record in a room uh, where there's like feedback or they mm. want that reverb or they'll 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 mess it up somehow so it sounds it's not perfect yeah yeah right and uh, it makes a huge difference so what you want is to have that energy in the shot and to hold back and not to try and overlight something you know it's like when you walk into uh, a brand new beautiful apartment that's brand new it's got no history uh, you know it's it's not uh, no intrigue no character it's the it's those flaws so maybe um uh, and I got into that too and it's like where I needed my skies to be absolutely perfect everything to be lit so maybe don't be afraid to let stuff go and mm-hmm. you don't need to have the image to be perfect all the way through because when you think about it Val if you just now glance out to your left out to the window mm-hmm. and then glance back at your screen mm-hmm. okay glance very quickly when you do that how much do you actually take in of the information that you're seeing Whoa. you know are, <laughs> Mm -hmm. Are you seeing every little detail in the tree? Are you, because your eyes can't focus that quickly. Right. Mm. So you've got to think of a photo um, in the same way. So sometimes there will be a little bit of flare that gets on the lens. Just like when you look uh, to the sun quickly, you'll get the light in your eyes. Mm -hmm. And so think about how you can bring those exciting elements or imperfections into your image and uh, th- that's going to give that image the soul, the life. It's like when you're shooting a portrait, you can pose everyone within an inch of their life and make sure that it's all controlled, mm-hmm. uh, which is was also something that I used to do. But it was when I let go and started to uh, work with the models that I started to improve my portrait photography and I allowed for the little accidents, the moments between frames where they might laugh at a joke mm. and you you capture that image and then you capture the image directly after as the smiles yeah, fading yeah. and you get something organically beautiful that happens that's not contrived mm. i hope that makes sense yeah that absolutely makes sense that's great mm-hmm. mm. so All yes right. definitely 
All right, so uh, next on my list of uh, worst habits mm. is a lack of intrigue. What's in that the mean? Image. So do you know what the word intrigue means, Val? Mm. Uh, um, you enlighten me. I've got a, di- I've got a dictionary dif- definition okay. on hand ready to go so I sound super smart and wordy. You know, because that's what people think when they think of me, isn't it? Yes, <laughs> sure. <and> wordy, right? <laughs> uh, so intrigue is arousing one's curiosity or interest. It's fascinating. So have you um, – it's like you're, you're teasing the viewer into the image and you want that every time they look at the image they go, oh, my God, I didn't notice that about that image and now I see that there in the corner. There's another thing or there's depth or there's – every time they look at it they see something new rather than everything being um, out there uh, when you look at it and obvious. So – you think about it like a great book or a song or a movie mm-hmm. or even a friendship. Every time you see that person or that song or read that book, you get something else out, out of it. There's another layer that happens. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So we've all met that person in a bar uh, who in that first five minutes that you meet them tells, them all, <laughs> tells you all their secrets <laughs> and you know everything about them, right? Yes. We've all met that kind of person. And then so the next time you meet them, they've got nothing new to offer. There's no intrigue. There's nothing interesting. So, Or you uh, might see uh, someone who goes out on the town and they're dressed uh, in a way that th- there is no intrigue. There's nothing left to the imagination. <laughs> you, you see everything about their body. It's all there. But yes. there's no intrigue because it's like I, you, you've shown me everything that you have and now I know, now I've got to work out if there's anything beyond that, if there's depth. So that person combined with the one who comes up to you and then tells you everything, all their secrets, there's no intrigue. Mm. So are you interested to continue that relationship with that person or just leave it at that five minutes or one night, Val? I guess it depends on how bored you are. Yes. So you want to be thinking about these uh, things when you're creating a shot. So um, you can get caught up in in all of these things or you want to try and work out a way to not give it all away and not say everything in that shot and show everything. You want to work out ways that you can make your image look intriguing and that might be a mysterious smile or the way the image is layered or there is different elements in each corner. It's not just obvious what the shot is given away all at once. I hope that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely it does. Okay, cool. Mm. What's another worst habit? Okay, I think another one, and again, certainly guilty of this, is a uh, fixation on how sharp the image is or how much noise is in the image. So we all, because uh, we can now, we can uh, blow our images up to 4 billion percent and go, oh my God, that left eyelash number 27 isn't sharp, the image is ruined, <laughs> right? Or look at all the noise, I can see the noise in the shot. And we... and just get so hung up on that but when in reality it's like 
the the image is not about the sharpness or the noise it's about the vibe or the energy or the intrigue you get from the shot and that's what's going to make people stop the scroll it's it's like often they might not notice that the image is out of focus and if you go back and have a look at images that were created uh, pre-digital most Mm. of them are soft most of my i've been looking at a lot of my archives and i look at the shots and i go oh god they're all soft because just that's how lenses were you know so uh, and you look at annie Leibowitz's early uh, work and most street photography it's soft by today's standards right you know when everything is absolutely pin sharp Mm. it's also got a lot of uh, grain images that were shot on film have film grain and uh, digital images have digital noise i think that sometimes if the image isn't perfectly sharp or perfectly pristine it goes back to that perfectionism um point Mm. is uh is that, that that imperfection that gives it the character and the energy of the shot. So again, um, look, obviously if you're doing a commercial shoot and you've got a group of 50 people and the first 20 in the group are out of focus, that's a problem, right? Mm-hmm. Or if it's too much noise that you can't make out what the shot's about, that's possibly a problem as well. But if you're just doing as a general vibe of the shot then you know it doesn't always need to be absolutely pristine and sometimes it's okay to kind of misfocus a little bit or even uh i kind of love seeing a little bit of motion blur in shots sometimes because it again it gives that uh it's that rawness and the energy in the shot so if you can see like a little bit of someone's hand moving or they're just slightly um uh just a bit of vibration in the shot, I think it adds energy and I think it's worth doing. So think about that and how you can maybe um, not get so hung up in the need to be absolutely pristine with the uh, ISO so that you've got low noise and it's okay to be a little bit out of focus every now and then. So as an exercise, push your camera's ISO and just go out and do a shoot just because, maybe do it in uh, at night when you can go out, crank up the ISO as much as you can and uh, get some shots and try and get some movement in there and just free yourself up because you're not worried about the end result. It's just all about the exercise mm. and see what you come back with and you might be pleasantly surprised by the reaction you get to some of the shots. Okay, good one. Yeah, mm. what's next? All right, this next one is something that I call karaoke photography. Karaoke photography. <laughs> What's your go-to What's, karaoke oh, song? I was going to ask you that question. <laughs> I got uh, it first. Uh, probably it would be me guess. a Madonna. I know what yours is. Okay. Go on. You go. You can it. guess mine then. Well, I was going to say Madonna song, so yeah. I would say... Uh, uh, like a prayer yeah that's the last one i did the last time i went to karaoke <laughs> i did like a prayer that if i had to sing a madonna song i would sing that would you yes for sure all right well we we have to do a karaoke night then. <laughs> with photography when i come up to sydney we'll do karaoke we'll do like a prayer and yours would be bon jovi no doubt no my go-to karaoke my signature karaoke song is fame by oh, Irene yeah. Cara. Do you get up on the table and do it? 
Um, no. <laughs> That's a great song. Mm. Anyway, what Good is memories. karaoke photography? So um, a lot of artists, and this is a, a trend, um, uh, uh, all artists, writers, any um, creative field will start off, and it's a great way to learn, uh, by copying uh, the work of another artist. So, And you can't help be influenced by other artists when you're starting out. So Yes, you can't be influenced you can't help be, but be influenced by other artists and in fact Austin Cleon has a book Steal uh-huh. Like an Artist um where you as you're learning your craft you are inspired by other artists yes. and you allow them to um influence your style and you can try and emulate that style but what you do not do like one photographer in sydney has done is plagiarize my website word for word literally word for word that is not okay and that is not um emulating or getting inspiration from that is theft just thought i'm glad you've gotten over that (laughs) fell Okay. Yeah, no, fair enough. And it's not cool. It's not cool to do that. And so, yes, let's talk about that being inspired by another artist. As a painter, Val, who inspires your paintings? Oh, um, I think I just enjoy looking at paintings that are um, made up of lots of layers or that are made up of many things. Well, it doesn't have to be paintings. It could be, you know, sculpture. It could be installations mm. made up of many, many things. That sort of yeah. intrigues me. I think it's like it's like um, it's like um, uh, Richard Scarry books. Do you, do you ever remember them? Or I imagine like Where's Wally books. There's so much going on, and you just like yes. looking at the so many things going on. Yeah. I like those sorts of things. I could never find Wally and that, and those books really annoyed me. And uh, it, it, people would go, oh, my God, I found him. And I'd be looking going, oh, it's overwhelming. I don't like it. It's not organised. It's a mess. It's like, okay. you know, when stuff's on sale in a shop and they put it out in the bargain bin and you're supposed yeah. to dig through. Oh, yeah, I don't do like it. that. No, I can't Refuse. do that. Refuse. Yeah, the only way it. I can buy clothes, if it's, the the shop person who runs a shop is wearing it. I go, mm. hey, are you selling that? I'll buy one of those. Yeah. I have to see it. Yeah, yeah. So um, back to my point yes. of the karaoke. <laughs> yes. So, um, yes, we get inspired and I, I have talked about being inspired by the work of Annie Leibovitz and Robert Maplethorpe. So, mm. you know, they're, and Herb Ritz. Uh, and they were uh, all around when I was starting out and I borrowed from uh, – all those photographers, but over the years, I've worked hard to turn that into my own style. And I think that's uh, really important because what happens is that the reason I call it karaoke photography is because you see karaoke singers, we see it a lot in a lot of the music shows, Mm, right? mm. Where they'll get on there and they'll do their audition and they'll bust out the, what's a common, um, Audition song, Val? Um, uh, 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 I don't know, something from Cats? <laughs> I don't know. Mid- midnight. Midnight. <laughs> yeah, that. So they'll do, they'll, do, they'll do a song from Cats and everyone will be mm-hmm. crying and the <laughs> cut to the parents crying. Oh, my God, that's amazing. You're going to be a big star, mm-hmm. right? 
The problem is if then the next week there's another cover and another cover and then this artist goes out on their own and they're still doing covers, they're always just going to be the cover artist because it's the original artist that everyone is drawn to and the cover artist is just a cover artist. And so, you know, we see uh, someone like Billie Eilish who's just like killing it at the moment. She's only 18 years old, Mm. but you look at her style Everything about her is unique. The way she dresses, the way she speaks, the way she sings, massive. So unique, that's her own style. And that's why she's a big star because you look at her and you go, uh, she's kind of like who? I can't think of anyone. Mm. She's completely unique. So that's what you want to be. So mm. when, when you're shooting stuff and you're just copying other artists or art of other photographers directly, there's something about the energy of that shot mm. that it's never going to be unique. It's always going to be compared to that other person mm. and it's never going to stand out from the pack because if you're copying from that photographer, then chances are that hundreds or thousands of other photographers are also doing it as well. So you'll be one of the many. So mm. what you what you want to do, um, and and so I spent a long, a great part of you know the first uh, third of my career just doing. Uh, what everyone else was doing, Val. This was the commercial style. This is how you shot things. This is how we lit and this is how we edited and everything looked the same and Mm. I I, I got the same results as everyone else, which worked okay, but it wasn't until I just went, you know what, I don't like this bright stuff. I just don't like it, but I felt like I had to do it Mm. and I started uh, doing the moody stuff that I really liked and I just kept getting moodier and darker and moodier and darker Mm. and I developed my own style and it made me really happy and the difference is when you're doing stuff that is meaningful to you, Mm. you'll work on it 24-7. Because you love it. And I can see that in your work, Val. Like, you know, you started out experimenting. You did, you know, all all the stuff that artists do when they start out. And now you, then then you found your thing Mm. and you found your groove now. And it's, it's, you look at it and I I see that art and I go, yeah, that's a Valerie. (laughs) You've got your own style now. And that's, that's what you want to have. So it's a combination of a lot of things, but it, it takes a lot of repetition and you need to experiment with your lighting. So you start with learning the lighting styles, but then you want to keep continuing to push yourself and you'll know it's a gut feeling, isn't it, Val? You go, mm. oh, that, I like that. You just, it, It's as simple as that. Do I like it? Don't I like it? Continue in this area. So it's a lighting style. It's how you pose or the subjects that you photograph mm. and then finally how you edit those images. And, you know, it might start with uh, Insta- uh, Lightroom filters. Mm. That you might start playing with those, and you might happen to stumble on uh, a filter that you go, "I never would have thought of that," but I actually really love that. So, if you are uh, a member of my newsletter, if you're receiving my newsletter, then uh, every couple of weeks and or every few few weeks, I give away. Uh, free presets, Lightroom presets, and I try and really change them up and and mm. give you lots and lots of different styles. And it's that for that alone that you can try these presets out and experiment with a style. It's like when you go, you know, when you go to a restaurant and they give you a taster menu. Yeah. 
And you think, I wouldn't have, like, because you'll look at something on the menu and it'll be, like, you know, goat's balls. In, <laughs> right? And you go, I don't know if I thought I want goat's balls. And they go, no, no, try them. You're really going to like How them. How many go, times no, do you get like offered that. that in a restaurant? You do, you do. In the taster menus, it's always this bizarre stuff, foul, Right? But then you go, huh, I never would have thought to try that combination. Or there'll always be a random dessert where there'll be... You know, you yeah. there'll be something in it that you go, I don't think I'm going to like it. And then mm. you try it, you go, actually, I love it. Mm. So that's why doing something like uh, getting uh, Lightroom presets and just getting one of your images and going through, you can preview each different preset. And then when you get it close, start playing around with the sliders. What happens if I increase the mm. contrast? What happens if I add decreases? saturation increases saturation and you get it to a point where you personally like that shot and that's kind of how your style evolves yeah a lot of it happens through happy accidents and happy Mm. accidents only occur when you um have frequency of activity Mm. because if you only do something once every three weeks it might take you years before the happy accident that changes your life occurs but if you do it every day you're going to get there a lot quicker so yeah definitely do frequency and you'll discover those happy little accidents a lot quicker and not being afraid to play play around Mm. experiment like I just said you know like for you it'd be the art you go well what happens if I mix these two colors oh go figure or what happens if I put this here and I know that and what happens if I have another swig of scotch and now wow so the problem for you is replicating that environment when the client says yeah we want to commission you to do a mural just the same you go oh my god I'm gonna have to drink through this just to get it right or you have to do another giant rooster what were you on when you created that how many scotches was that design you know so but it is it's like what happens if I do this without fear of uh, having the end result be perfect let go of that perfection and just mm. play just play and see what happens and you'd be surprised what you uh, end up with great stuff all right what's next okay so the next one is uh where are we is uh st- staying in your comfort zone Val yeah right? and we're always guilty of this so uh over the last little while, I've been watching a lot of, uh, I've been doing a lot of editing. So that means Netflix <laughs> as I edit, which is like my absolute happy place. And do you watch I've it watched... on the TV? And then you? Oh, no, no, I've got, I've got three screens in front of me. Mm-hmm. So one is for the main image. Yep. The one to the right mm-hmm. is for all my tools go across to the, and these are three 27-inch screens. So all the tools mm. go to the left. And the third one is just for Netflix. Okay. <laughs> so you can watch it, so you can stream, so you can catch it out of the corner of okay. your eye. So it's like on in the background as entertainment. But... Um, the ones that I watched are they're all music ones. So Rolling Stones uh, in South America, mm-hmm. fantastic. Mm-hmm. One on Dolly Parton, oh, yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. And Taylor Swift's one. Oh yeah, I've been meaning to watch that. Right, by, amazing. By the way, just while we're on the topic of screens, I tried out today the sidecar function finally, um, uh, where you extend your Mac screen onto your iPad. Ah yes. Yeah, it works really quite well. 
Mm. And I Are use you it using with, a stylus? Yeah, so I've got the Apple Pencil. So you can use Illustrator and Photoshop and um, all of the – well, yeah, well, it's just like a, another screen of, of, your, of your Mac. So it's kind of handy, especially if you need the stylus to rub someone out or – or, Cut stuff out. Yeah, lasso something. Yeah. And then use content aware or whatever. So, yeah, it's some um, handy um, function if you don't have a Wacom tablet and you don't want to use Astro So, Pad it's just a better. Is it better? Have you got a Wacom tablet? Yeah, I've, I find it very difficult like it. to use. Yeah, it's difficult to get used to. Mm. Uh, so, how does it compare? How do you feel? How does it feel in your hand using the iPad with the stylus? With, with Photoshop, I haven't. I've been playing with Illustrator, so I've, I've and yeah. I only just did it today. So I will report yeah. back next week because yeah. I need to spend more time on it. Yeah. Okay, I'll be keen to find out because I was mm. looking at that. I'm thinking that's interesting because the next uh, jump from that will be the next Max. I don't know how far off it is, but mm. you'll be designing directly on the Mac using the stylus on the Mac. Yeah, yeah. Screen that would have to be the next one that comes out. It can't, it can't be that far off, surely. Mm. <laughs> anyway <laughs> so back to my docos yes, uh, yes. Taylor like, Swift. and the reason about getting out of your comfort zone so rolling stones in south america dolly parton and taylor swift now rolling stones arguably the biggest band in the world still they're all in their 70s but they pack out stadiums they just they make squillions of dollars and they're amazing mm. right mm-hmm. dolly parton same Taylor Swift, you'd say, same. They're all at that stadium level, mega, mega famous, been doing it for a long time. Taylor Swift, even though she's what, was she's mid-30s now, what, how old is she? I'd say very she's, early 30s, like 30 probably. All right, so, so still she's been around for nearly 20 years, right? So you'd call her a veteran as well. So they're all at the top of their game. And what do you think that they're doing uh, leading up to a concert? Are they just jumping on a plane and going, getting there five minutes before getting on stage and just hacking it out? No. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) No. 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 What blew me away is how hard these guys, and I knew this, uh, but it's still to see it, how hard they all work, how much they rehearse, even though, you know, how many times have the Rolling Stones done, what name a Rolling Stones song, I can't even think, Satisfaction, how many times do you think Mick Jagger sang that song? Oh yeah, a billion. Thousands, right? You don't think he's going to forget the words, yet they're still rehearsing and they're still rehearsing with the band and Dolly Parton, I Will Always Love You, you think she'd forget the words to that, but Mm -hmm. yet she's still rehearsing and still working out ways that they can can re um, reimagine that song or try a new. Well, let's let's slow down the tempo. Let's make it faster mm. for this song. So they're keeping it interesting for themselves, and then they're bringing in other um, other performers. So they'll bring in. Um, performers from different genres just to spice up the, the the way the songs sound and just to keep it interesting and they're also continually developing and working on their skills so they they are doing drills just like a photographer mm. does drills to learn their skills so even though they're at the top level they still have uh, music coaches dancing coaches yeah. writing coaches so and when you think about it 
it's the people that are at the top of their game who are the most successful are the ones who will put the biggest investment into their education and developing their skills. So, and that would, for me, was like a big aha moment. So they are constantly challenging mm. themselves and it's like, it's very easy when you get to, like I thought, in all honesty, Val, I'll be honest with you, five years in, I thought I knew it all. You would, you would, you knew me then. Yeah. You would have seen the strut, right? You remember how I strutted around, and I would have had that. Yeah, I know everything. There's nothing else I need to know about lighting because I already know it all. I know everything there is about photography because, yeah, I know it all, okay. right? And and I didn't know diddly squat okay. really at the time. Mm-hmm. And so it's not until I decided that it's like you know what I. I, I don't know much at all and I need to really work on all this stuff <laughs> that that my work really uh, started to improve and I started to sort of develop and, um, uh, you know, develop my own style. And now it's kind of like the more I know, the more I realise I've got to go. Like there's just so much more. So I just like crave knowledge and want to find out about everything and it's like the higher up you go, you find out about lighting and you go, huh, Right, there's lighting and then there's lighting and then there's more to know and more to know and more to know. So Mm. I'm constantly trying to find new and better ways, uh, hacks about posing and lighting and then getting inside people's heads and how can I bring out that personality of the person and how can I improve this lighting? How can I balance my daylight? How can I improve my editing? So that, you know, and you see that. So it's constantly making yourself uncomfortable till you feel comfortable and then taking it to another level and going at stepping out of your comfort zone I think is very very important yep so keep on learning and keep on pushing yourself what else yes uh so finally Val it's shooting um not shooting personal projects again I Mm. spent the first 10 years just chasing uh jobs and only picking up my camera when someone paid me to do so and uh you end up I ended up with uh like a whole folio of clinical and commercial work uh and nothing that I was really proud of and it was when I finally took a camera and just shot just because that uh A, my love of photography really started to happen. Like I was getting to a point where I was kind of over it. And when I started shooting for myself, I just loved it again and again and again. So it's like going out and shooting, not for money, not for applause, not to post it on Instagram, not to do anything in particular with it unless you want to, but going out and following, as you said, follow your creative curiosity and what would happen if I did this? And it can be as extreme and as niche as you want to, you know? What would happen if I did a whole series of Lego characters in my favorite movie scenes? And I lit that and I did that on a tabletop in my spare room through the winter, you know? <laughs> yes. Or what if I did a series of fruit decaying as a time lapse? You yeah. know, there's so many things, that, but it's got to be – it's pointless just going, oh, yeah, I'll do a series of photos of bark. Bark. As in not not the singer, the tree, bark, <laughs> right? <laughs> okay, yeah. <laughs> and just bark. But if you're not into bark, and there's some people that, believe me, are just obsessed by bark and they'll just tell you everything about it. But if that's not your thing, <laughs> it's pointless doing a personal project on it, Right. When you're just not into it, well, you've got to force yourself, I'm going to go photograph bark today. But, you know, when you mention Lego, 
and I mentioned Lego, it do you, do you know how excited I get at the yeah. thought of photographing it, Lego? Yeah. I could quite happily just go off and spend the rest of the night and then all of next week photographing You're Lego. bizarre. Yeah, not as bizarre as you, Val. Come on, come on. You can no, tell me you're that you're... No, you're bizarre. No, I don't think so, Val. I think mm. you're actually kookier. I didn't mm. design a giant rooster. <laughs> you know, where'd you pull that out of your imagination? <laughs> you know, you're just as bizarre. Like attracts like, Val. So um, do... Do the do the stuff just because, and I think you'll see that there'll be a huge shift in your photography. So they're based on my experiences, Val. Uh, some All of the right. best photography habits and how to fix them. I love it. I think that that's awesome. Um, <laughs> they're really good tips, definitely. And so what's your worst photography tip? We would like to know. So put it in the Facebook group. If you're not already a member of the Facebook group, then make sure you join. It's free to join. There's people from all over the world, some fantastic photographers in there from all different levels. Just search in Facebook for So You Want to Be a Photographer podcast community and request to join. We'd love to have you in there. Uh, in the meantime, we've come to the end of this week's episode. What are you doing in the coming week, Gina? I'm going to go photograph Lego, Val. Okay. We've talked about this what I'm going to do. I'm going to work on a series <laughs> and it's going to be great. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. What well, are you doing? Uh, I am re-watching Succession because, um, as you know, oh. I love that show so much and I'm getting yep. so much more even the second time around. So that oh. is my recovery from the festival. You know, I'm yeah. going to just be horizontal and watching that and then I've What's got to get... What's the food of choice, Val, when, you, what, what, when, you, when you're just rewarding yourself like that? There has to be a reward when you've worked your guts out like this. So I what is know. It? But it can't be because I think you're going to shoot me in a few weeks, so I got to oh, save so, the cheese oh, till after. Right. We're, in, we're in photo shoot preparation. Mm. Yeah. And then we'll have cheese, the kilo of cheese afterwards, <laughs> as is a tradition. <laughs> That's right. All right. Where do we find you online, Gina? You can find me at ginamilitia.com. That's G-I-N-A-M-I-L-I-C-I-A. I'm on all social media. I'm at Gina Militia. And if you're one of those photographers that you might be struggling with lighting or editing or you lack uh, confidence in posing, then imagine how it would feel if you could walk into any location and know exactly how to light, expose, what to say to achieve amazing images. That's what happens when you join the gold community. So if you're one of those photographers, beginners, we've got people from did uh, their twenties into their eighties, uh, or and all different uh, genres of photography and all different phases. So if you want to join me and be mentored by me, then check out the Goal Community. Just go to ginamilitia.com and click on Join the Community. What about you, Val? Um, you'll find me at Valerie Koo. That's K H O O on Twitter and Instagram, and over at ValerieKoo.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we look forward to chatting to you again next time. Thanks, guys. Thanks for listening to So You Want to Be a Photographer. For more information, free resources, and Gina's regular newsletter on everything you need to know to become a successful photographer, visit ginamilitia.com.